begin by saying, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, here's the thing. The Spirit of the Lord can be in this place. And still, some of you may not experience freedom. Because you have to be under the covering of that presence of the Lord. And that covering is defined by coming under the covering of His Lordship. The Spirit of the Lordship, where there is, there is freedom. Does that make sense? God's presence is everywhere, right? But the moment you come under the covering of His Lordship is when you start experiencing freedom. The moment you come under the covering of His Lordship is when you start experiencing freedom. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord. There is something about the Lordship of Jesus that when you surrender to His Lordship, your entire life changes. So you can, you can come to church and the church coming to church is the least thing that you can do. But I'm saying you can come to church and still be not transformed, still have no freedom, still live in bondage, still live in shackles and chains and still be deceived because it takes your response to come under the covering of the Lordship of Jesus to say that Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. It's similar to saying you can go to gym, you can go to the gym and be not transformed. Unless, unless you come under the, under the guidance of the trainer who's training you, you will not be transformed. You can hit as many push-ups as you want, you will not be transformed. The trainer knows what you need. And he can, he can guide you, he can derive the right prescription for you. You can go to a hospital and still be sick. If you don't listen to the doctor. You can spend... Thousands and thousands of money. And if you don't listen to the doctor, if you, if you don't listen to what the doctor says, you can buy the medicine. You can go to that consultation. You can go for consultation. But if you actually don't obey what the doctor tells you to do, you'll still remain sick. So you have to come under the covering of the Lordship of Jesus. That is what it means where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Someone, someone who's drowning in the water, if he needs help, how will they ask for help? If, if you don't know how to swim, you know, if you're like me and you don't know how to swim and you're drowning in water, you'll not be like, <coughs> excuse me, can you help me? You'll not be polite. You'll be loud, you'll be screaming at the top of your lungs because you need help. Do you need help today? Do you really need help? Do you really want God to come into your life, invade your life, and to rescue you from the troubles that you're going through? If that's what you need, if that's what you need, your posture should show it. Cry out for help. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be, not some, all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The question is, do you call upon the name of the Lord? <coughs> God, will you save me? Do you really need salvation? Do you really want to be saved? A person who's really drowning will really ask for help. So worship is not something that we do as just one item in the service. It's not one of the checklists that we do or, you know, it's just a, one of the fill-in programs before the word comes. Worship is done so that your heart will be prepared for the word. So that you can cry out and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. And all that I have is because of you. Prepare my heart. That's why worship is so important. That's why we do worship first. Even before we do the word, we do worship first so that our hearts will be open to receive what he has to say. Our hearts will become a fertile ground. But if you're not going to respond in worship, you can still go back unchanged. So respond. Respond to His presence. His presence is here right now. Do not let this time pass by. Do not let His presence pass by you. Receive it. 
receive it right now. Amen? So guess the posture. Get the posture of your heart right. Are you here to receive from the Lord? Then receive. Receive. One word, one Rima word of God can change your life. Can change the shape of your life. How you came in will not be how you step out. It can completely change. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Amen. I see faith rising. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Do you know what is better than the truth? What is better than the truth? The whole truth. The whole truth. See, something that I've learned the hard way, and I, and I really wish that you don't have to learn it the hard way because I've learned it the hard way, is when the devil cannot deceive you with a lie, he deceives you by taking you into one aspect of the truth to its extreme. By taking you to an extreme of one aspect of the truth, he can deceive you. If he knows that his lies are not working on you anymore, you are forgotten, you are rejected, you are dejected. If those lies are not working on you anymore, he will take the truth, he will take one dimension of the truth and take you into an extreme so that you become blindsided, you become short-sighted, you become puffed up and you think everything is going well but 15 years down the line you realize something is wrong, something is missing. So how many of you want the whole truth? Whole truth. Whole truth. Say, I want the whole truth. The whole counsel of God. Not just one dimension of it. The whole truth. Amen? So even before I begin, I want you to take, take you through this prayer of, of, a, of Sam, Psalms uh, 139, verse 23 and 24. The psalmist says like this, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Okay? Are you excited to receive the truth? Yes. So take this moment just to pray this prayer over your life. Search me, O God. Search my heart, O Lord. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. For if there's anything, if there's anything that hinders if there's any blindsidedness, if there's any short-sightedness, Father, I pray that you will lead us in the way everlasting. You will correct us today. Today, we are here to receive your correction. Come on. We love the correction of the Lord because the Lord corrects those whom He loves. He disciplines those whom He loves. So, Father, we are here to be disciplined by you. Even, even if in the moment it may seem painful, but we willingly, lovingly receive it because we know it's for our benefit. It's for our pleasure, good pleasure. It's for the long-term benefits of our lives. So we receive your correction. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, so your heart is open? Okay. So, something that I've been thinking about this, this week is the privilege of being born in a Christian family. And I just want to say, you know, if you're born in a Christian family, you don't understand sometimes the privileges, the blessedness of being born in a Christian family. And I was just thinking, you know, because I had godly parents and my parents are also pastors, they instilled in me a spiritual discipline since the time I was born. So, waking up in the morning, praying, praying before going to bed, memorizing scriptures, reading your Bible every day, family prayer was like a natural thing that was instilled in us as children. And as children, it's not a very exciting thing, so you hate it. But as you grow up, you know, as you grow up, you see the benefits of the culture, of the values that your parents have instilled in you. That comes naturally to us. So I'm truly grateful to my parents for instilling in that, in that godly discipline of reading the Bible, praying every day, every day. But here's the thing, what happened to me was when I joined college, I, I wanted to be rebellious, I wanted to live my life 
the way I want to. I didn't want anybody to correct me. I didn't want anybody to have a say on my life. So when I got the first opportunity, I ran away from Delhi. Okay. Yes, my parents knew that I was going. But I ran away as in, in my mind. I wanted to escape Delhi because I wanted to escape the church atmosphere. I wanted to escape the spiritual fellowship. And I was, I was studying in Coimbatore, doing my engineering, living a completely rebellious life. You know, I was enjoying life in the worldly sense. Playing cricket when I'm supposed to go to church. Uh, it was just my life. I was just enjoying it. And then the Lord restores me there. He finds me there. He pursues me there and he restores me. And the first thing that I know when my relationship with the Lord got restored, the first thing that got restored was my spiritual discipline. I began to earnestly pray, read the Bible every day. It got restored. Now, now I'm not saying I did not do a share of my struggle with sin. I did struggle with sin did backslide here and there. But somewhere, because of that discipline, I was constantly brought back to the presence of the Father. Brought back. Right? Now, making the sto short story, making the story short, in 2012, I have this great encounter with Jesus. A personal encounter with Jesus. Where my eyes to the Bible opens up. Before that, I used to read the Bible every day and would not make sense of it. And there were times when I prayed, oh Lord, am I the only one who does not understand this? Because I can understand engineering concepts. Just the word doesn't make sense. New Testament, I know I can read the words, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not registering. Something, something is missing. I always knew something was missing. So I kept praying. I think I prayed for two years, two years, and finally I had a revelation. In a moment, everything changed. Now, if you ask me, was it those two years? Was it those... 20 years of spiritual discipline or was that one moment? I don't know. But I know that something led up to this one moment where everything changed for my life. Everything. Where the word became alive. I started to, I started to look at it from a different perspective. Everything. My whole paradigm of thinking began to change. Right? I learned about God's grace. Learned about sonship. Learned about dominion. Learned about the finished work of Christ. I knew that, oh man, I don't have to struggle. Jesus has saved me once and for all. I was living a life of freedom. In fact, 2013, you won't believe this. 2013, I would spend five to six hours on the word. Minimum. Every day. And I was working. I would go for work for eight hours a day. And still, I had the time to spend so much time just receiving from the Word, receiving from the Word. For me, that year, 2013, is what I call, call the Bible school year for myself. It was like the Bible school, where God was like intentionally teaching me, teaching me. I started publicly speaking the gospel, speaking the Word, maybe after 2014. In fact, if you had met me as a child, you wouldn't still believe that I can actually speak in public because I would literally pee in my pants. That's how scared I used to be. Public speaking was not my thing. I remember giving my presentation for my master thesis and I was, it was, you know, we, we were allotted 15 minutes of time to exp explain our thesis and I finished it in like 90 seconds. I was super fast because I just wanted to get done with Okay, that's, that's my background. But look at this. When the word hits you, your entire life transforms. From becoming an introvert, shy, fearful person to becoming a bold, courageous person who preaches the word of the Lord. It, it is nothing other than calling it supernatural. It's a miracle for me. When I look at my life, it's a miracle. I can't, I can't relate to how I used to be 15 years ago. That's how the word has transformed me. So I want to encourage you. The word has transformed us. Okay, but now here's the thing. So I'm growing in the word. I'm enjoying the word. But somewhere, somewhere, I start believing a lie. And what I believe a lie is that spiritual discipline is religion. If you've been in the grace camp, like I have been for a very long time, I still believe in God's grace. Somewhere, this lie is taught to you that spiritual discipline is religion. Is religion. 
And because, that's what I'm saying. If the devil cannot deceive you with a lie, he'll deceive you with taking you to an extreme of one aspect of the truth. So I was camping myself on one aspect of the truth and deceived myself in believing that spiritual discipline is religion. So I stopped reading the Bible every day. I read whenever I felt. I stopped praying every day. I prayed whenever I felt and called it, that's the Spirit of the Lord leading me. I don't feel led to pray. The devil will not lead you to pray, by the way. The devil will not lead you to tithe. He'll not lead you to be generous. The devil will not inspire you. Read your Bible. So because I believe this lie that spiritual discipline is religion, slowly, slowly, my life became undisciplined. And chaos entered my life. In fact, it came to a point, it didn't bother me till my life was undisciplined. It didn't bother me. But it started bothering me when the people whom I led, their life became chaotic. That's when it hit me that something is wrong. Because as a shepherd, you can only lead your sheep to the capacity to where you are led yourself. So the behavior of the sheep reflects a lot on my heart as well. I began to check my heart. Is there something wrong that I'm doing? Is there something wrong that I'm teaching that has led everybody to here? And I began to reflect, and the Lord, oh man, the Lord disciplined me. And that's what I said. I learned it the hard way. Don't waste years of your life. I learned it the hard way, and, and the Lord disciplined me, and I got back into my routine, into my discipline. And you know one thing that I noticed? When my spiritual life got disciplined, I saw my finances were in order. I saw I managed time well. My work-life balance was great. Relationship was awesome. Why? Because I was not living my life around my spiritual, you know, I was not living my spiritual discipline around my life. I was living my life around my spiritual discipline, giving priority to my spiritual life. Now, here's the thing, guys. A religious person prays. A spiritual person also prays. A religious person reads the Bible. Spiritual person also reads the Bible. The difference between being spiritual and being religion is not in the action. It's in the heart of how you do it. A religious person prays and reads the Bible out of obligation, out of fear, out of a commandment or that you're supposed to do. That's a slave mindset. Because slaves don't love instructions. They have to obey. They don't have an option. But sons and daughters, they love instructions of the father because they know that the father has their best interest in his heart. So because they can trust the father, when the father says, hey, do this, they will, yes, I'll do it because I know this is for my benefit. When Jesus told Peter, take the boat into the deep end of the sea and put the net on the right side, he was excited. He did it. And what, what, what happens? He finds a net-breaking catch of fishes. So the difference between spiritual and religion is not in the activities, guys. It's in the posture of the heart. How do you do it? Do you do it by faith or do you do it by fear? Do, do you do it out of obligation or do you do it of, out of privilege? We don't, we don't have to pray. Do you know you don't have to pray? You get to pray. Prayer is a privilege. You don't have to read the Bible. In fact, if you don't read the Bible, you'll get to heaven faster. But I read the Bible so that I don't get to heaven faster and I stay here and fulfill the destiny that God has for me. Effectively by being fruitful. You see the change in posture? You don't, you don't have to do any of these. You don't have to come to church. But we get to. We get to love people. We get to build fellowships. We get to be, you know, we get to fulfill God's agenda on this earth. We get to. It's a privilege. It's not something that is imposed on you. Okay? Now, I have a verse in mind which I want, you, which I want to lead you into. But before I take you into that verse, the context is that verse is for people who believe in Christ. Why I say this is people who believe in Christ, the moment you say that Jesus is Lord 
and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you are saved. You are saved. Do you believe that? Now, nothing can take you away from that positional salvation that you have in Christ. So even if you live a completely ridiculous life, you will, if you are in Christ, you will die in Christ. And because you die in Christ, you will be resurrected in Christ. But the message of the cross is not just for those who want to go to heaven. The message of the cross is for those to fulfill God's agenda on here, on earth, right now. So this verse that I'm going to share is for those who understand that they are saved, that they will not lose their salvation, and that they are here to fulfill the agenda of the Lord. If you don't understand this context, this verse will burn you out. Does that make sense? Even if you don't do anything, you are saved. Because God saved you in Christ. Amen? But this verse that I'm going to show you is how you can fulfill the purpose, the, the purpose that God has put in your heart to be fulfilled here on the earth in the time that you live here. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so come with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27. You got it? Okay. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Understand, Paul is writing this letter to a church in Corinth. And he's telling them, he's using an analogy of an athlete. Have you seen an athlete? A pro athlete. Do you know who is an athlete? Anybody? Any guesses? Do you? Oh, Ashish is an athlete. An athlete is somebody who struggles who is contending, who is striving, who is competing, who is fighting, who is laboring earnestly for a prize. Who is an athlete? Athlete? Athlete is someone who is contending for a prize. Now, we have different sports in the world, right? And if you know, every sport, regardless of the different degree of physical activity it involves, every pro athlete, they spend at least five to six hours a day, six days a week training themselves. Just to win one prize. How do they train themselves? Six days a week, five to six hours a day. Why? Because... That's their destiny. That is what they are they're longing for. That is what they have found their purpose with. You understand this? Now, Paul is using an analogy of a pro athlete with our lives. Are you a Christian? Then you're like a pro athlete. Okay? Now he says, an athlete, every athlete exercises self-control. Say with me, self-control. The meaning, you know, when I study, when I started studying this word, I, I actually used to hate this word self-control because it kind of feels that you're limiting yourself, you know? You know, when your mom says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, you know, it just feels like you're limited. But the meaning of self-control is actually mastery or dominion. Mastery or dominion. Isn't that amazing? Self-control gives you the ability to restrain strength. See, you know, when I have to open a packet of chips, I don't give to Ashish to open it because he has no self-control. So he'll break it open and everything will fall down. Because we don't need so much strength to open a packet of chips. You need self-control, restrain strength. A person who has mastered, who has mastered self-control knows to restrain strength knows when to use the capacity of his strength to its full measure 
to its half measure, to whatever measure that is required based on the need of the moment. Amen. Let me read your verse. Proverbs 25 verse 28. Proverbs 25 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man who has no self-control is like an unprotected city which has no walls, which can be easily broken into. Self-control is mastery. Self-control is dominion. You know, Paul says in Galatians 5.22, when he explains the fruit of the Spirit, he says self-control is also the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's come back to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Every athlete exercises self-control. What's the other word for self-control? Mastery. Every athlete exercises mastery in all things. Say with me, all things. See, the athlete only needs to perform a particular activity, but he exercises self-control in all things. Not just in the activity that he's supposed to do. He exercises self-control in all things. Why is that? If a person is supposed to run, then he should just be focused on running, right? But no, every athlete has to master in all things. So his sleep pattern matters. How well he's sleeping, that matters. That defines how well he can perform. His stress level, his mental health matters. What he's eating, he has a strict diet. So he has to have mastery in all things. This is what I find missing in the body of Christ. We don't try to have self-control mastery in all things. Some of you need to cut down sugar. Who said that? <laughs> self-control in all things. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Because if he, even if one of the dimensions misses self-control, if his sleep is not regulated well, or if his mental health is gone, even if all the other things are taken care of, it will affect his performance. That's why every athlete needs to be exercising mastery in all things. Say with me, all things. All things. Next, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. The meaning of wreath is crown. You know, in the older times when the athlete would finish their race, a crown would be given which was a symbol of glory. If you see Jesus, you know, when he took the cross, he was given the crown of thorns. So he took upon our shame, our guilt, our fear, our condemnation, our mental diseases so that we could have the crown of glory. Right? So each one of you, see, understand something. An athlete who runs faces adversaries. He has to, he has to be excellent in what he does, otherwise he'll not be able to He'll not be able to receive the crown of glory. But the beauty about you, because you are in Christ, there's a crown of glory for each one of us. We are not competing with each other. There's a crown of glory for each and every one of you. If you can finish the race, if you can fight the good fight of faith, that crown of glory lies there for you. That crown of glory has, is, is an add-on to heaven. It's not the substitution for heaven. Okay? So, can you be in heaven and not receive a crown of glory? Yes, if you don't finish your race. Like I said, if you believe in Jesus, you're eternally secured. Your salvation is secured. But if you finish your race, you will receive that crown of glory. Not just for the next age, but in this age also, you will experience the benefits of receiving that glory. So I want to talk to some people here who are willing, who are determined to finish your fight of faith. To finish the, that good fight of faith. You're determined to finish and you're determined to finish your race. Somebody said like this, you know, the most, the richest place on the earth, can anybody guess? The richest place on the earth is a graveyard. So many unfulfilled dreams. But that is not who we are. Amen. We are here to finish our race. We are here to fulfill the dream that the Lord has put in our hearts and to complete it. 
but it requires to exercise self-control. Self-control, right? Next verse. Verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Now, because you know there's a purpose in your life, you're not just running aimlessly. There's a purpose. You're fulfilling that purpose. You know, one of the things that one of the things that we have to be careful of every distraction that leads us away from this purpose. Sometimes having three dreams could be a problem. So Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I know my purpose. Why am I here? And I do not box like I'm shadow boxing in the air. I know whom I'm boxing because every punch that I punch punches the enemy. See, we do shadow boxing when we don't know the principles. There are main two adversaries. One, the devil. And the second is your flesh. Those are the two adversaries. Okay? Now here's a little principles. Here's a little secret that I was not planning to share, but I'll give it to you right now. You drive out the demon and discipline the flesh. You don't do vice versa. You don't discipline the devil and drive out the flesh. You drive out the demon and you discipline the flesh. Most often, we are trying to discipline the devil. You don't need disciplining there. You need deliverance. And most often, we are trying to drive out the flesh. Lord, take this away from me. Cut this off. Cut this off. Cut this off. You need discipline. So you have to learn where you need discipline and you have to learn where you need deliverance. And if you don't know where you need discipline and de deliverance, be a part of the church. Be a part of a covering. Don't disciple where you need to deliver. Discipline the flesh and deliver. Drive out the demons. Amen? Does that make sense? Most of our struggles are this. Because we're trying to keep the demon close and discipline him. Okay, shantuja, shantuja. But some of it is just, it needs to be driven out just like that in the name of Jesus. That's why we come to fellowship as we join together. Amen? Okay. So Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But what do I do? But I discipline my body. Because if I don't discipline my body, my body will rule over me. Okay? But I discipline my body and keep it under control. What happens when you don't have your body under control? Your body controls you. If you don't tell your body what to do, your body will tell you what you should do. This is when you should get angry. Come on. Get angry. This is when you should get jealous. Jealous. So if you don't keep your body under check, if you don't discipline your body, your body will rule over you. This generation, the problem with this generation, the, one of the struggles that we are facing is that we are led by feelings. Pastor, please pray for me because I'm feeling this. And I get it because mental health has become a major thing. But one of the secrets that is there in the world is discipline your body. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. So irrespective of how you feel today, irrespective of how you, know, how you felt when you woke up in the morning, you can still do the same things because you're doing it by faith. How many of you don't eat because you're sad? Some of us do. Some of us actually eat even more when they're sad. But that's where you need discipline. You don't let your feelings dictate you. You let your feelings give you an indication that something is wrong. Something needs help. But don't let the feelings dictate you. Let your feelings be an indicator, not a dictator. And how you do that is by disciplining your body. Disciplining your body. Somebody loving this. So discipline your body. Drive out the demon. Discipline the flesh. Discipline your body so that you can fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Okay? But I want to show you a couple of things. Uh, 
Genesis 2 verse 15. I took this verse last time. Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So when God created man, he put him in the garden of Eden. What's the meaning of Eden? Pleasure. So God put him in pleasure, in the garden of pleasure and said, work it and keep it. So we don't work so that we can have pleasure. We work because we have pleasure. Does that make sense? We don't work so that after working, we will receive pleasure. We work because we have already been blessed with pleasure. So we work to make sure that nothing hinders what the Lord has already deposited in our lives. We, we have to work it so that we can keep it. The Lord is doing it. It's not like only if I pray, I will experience the pleasure of the Lord. No. You pray so that you can stay in the pleasure because God's pleasure is for your life. God accepts you. God loves you. God cares for you. But for your experience to be aligned to that reality, we pray. We read the Bible. Not the other way around. It's not like, if you pray, this will happen. If you read the Bible, this will happen. No. It has already happened. That's why I'm praying. I'm already made righteous. That's why I want to walk in righteousness. So we're not trying to become good so that we can experience good things. We are good. That's why we are doing good. Yeah? So, I'm, I'm on a two-week challenge. Actually, Till Ashish's wedding happens, I'm thinking of cutting down on sugar because that's my that's my self control on processed sugar. By the way, processed sugar. Uh, but I want to tell you something. So this whole week I've been researching on how to how to cut your belly fat, how to burn your belly fat, and you know how to have abs, right? Meaning, I know great dreams, but here's something that I've learned. You want to learn? The abs that you're seeking for is already within you. Let me say it again. The abs that you're already seeking for is already within you. But the problem is it is not yet revealed. Why? Because there's a layer of fat that is covering those abs. So you need to work out the fat so that the abs will be revealed. <laughs> That's what Paul meant in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation. Because salvation is inside of you. There are just certain things that is covering it up. Your flesh is covering it up. Work it out. Spiritually work out. So that what is there within you will be revealed. It's not like, oh, after I did something, magically abs appeared. Abs were always there. Just like that, salvation is always inside of you. The moment you received Jesus, you have the fullness of salvation within you. If you spiritually work out, it comes out. It gets revealed. It gets manifested inside of you. Amen? Okay, one last verse. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. For the moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. For the moment, it's just for a moment. It's just for a couple of minutes or for a couple of days or for a season. For the moment, all discipline seems Painful. It's not painful. It seems painful. It gives you an illusion of pain. But it's not painful. If, if there's somebody over here who's exercised, you know, who's kept their body in shape for a longer period of time, you can attest to this, that discipline of your body looks painful only in the beginning. It seems painful for the moment. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. It doesn't look like a pleasant thing. And because it looks painful, most of us don't want to do it. But, here's it. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Do you want an apple fruit? How do you get an apple fruit? 
by sowing an apple seed. Do you want righteousness fruit, the fruit of righteousness? How do you get it? By sowing the seed of righteousness. Now, Jesus has already sowed the seed of righteousness in you. But by training, you, you, you have the outcome. You have the fruit of righteousness. That is what it says. Even for the moment, all discipline seems painful, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Only the seed of righteousness can give fruit of righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So there's a seed of righteousness within you. There's a seed of righteousness within you. Let me say it in other, in other words. There's a seed of God's greatness within you. The day you receive Jesus, the seed of God's greatness is within you. But you have to train yourself to see the fruit of that greatness. To see the fruit of his righteousness. You have to train yourself. Trained in righteousness. This discipline that you see, tell yourself this is training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. You know, a person who is an athlete, he is training. A warrior trains himself. Trains himself, hours and hours and hours, doing the same thing. Trains himself. Why? So that that seed of righteousness becomes the fruit of righteousness. Because you can't eat a seed. Have you tried eating a seed? You can't eat a seed. You eat the fruit. So if you really want to eat the fruit of the seeds that are deposited within you, you have to train. You have to train in them. You know how, how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly? A caterpillar is transformed. A caterpillar is like a worm, if you have seen. You know, caterpillar is like a worm. But when it's inside the cocoon and it stretches its arms inside the cocoon. Now, see, the thing is, if anybody externally tries to break the cocoon, the caterpillar will not become the butterfly. But the caterpillar itself, because that seed is there within, the caterpillar can break out of the cocoon and become a butterfly. Do you understand this? The seed is there within you. And the biggest gift that we have received from Jesus is that seed. But that seed needs to become a fruit when you train. You come out of the cocoon. You train. You burn that spiritual fat out. And you see abs. Hallelujah. This mountain shall also pass. See, I, 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 I tried, you know. I spoke to the mountain and I said, you mountain be lifted up. And then the Lord, had, the Lord had to say, you know, some things had to be worked out naturally also. Amen. Amen. Don't become so heavenly minded that you're of earthly no use. See, we are supernatural beings. Right? The idea is not to just live in heaven. The idea is not to live in earth. The idea is the union of heaven and earth. And you are the ones who bring the unity of heaven and earth. So you are supernatural beings living naturally here on earth. So if you want, if you want a flat stomach, you have to work it out. Okay? Meaning, very seldom do you find miracles of fat vanishing. You have to get your diet right. You have to sleep well. Get the work done. You have to grind, right? Similarly, this, this message is not about natural fitness. This message is more about you being spiritually fit. There's, there's unnecessary fat that's covering your spiritual greatness. Work it out. Discipline your body so that fruit of righteousness would be manifested. Amen? Amen? That's why, that's why we are emphasizing this season so much on the spiritual discipline. Reading your Bible every day. Praying. Do you eat food every day? Please say yes. Yeah. Do you eat food every day? Great. Then read your Bible. No word, no food. Yes word, yes food. <laughs> Amen. It's just simple things, guys. It's the very simple things. Uh, if we can read our Bibles every day, 
if we can pray every day, listen to the Father, we are building ourselves. We are training ourselves in righteousness. Don't get, don't become that person who goes to gym one day and tries to do 100 push-ups. Don't become that person. But be that person who consistently goes to gym and does 10 push-ups. Can you do 10 push-ups a day? That's enough. Just like that. Can you, can you read one chapter? But we want to burn everything, you know. Today I'll finish the entire Bible. Oh. Develop consistency. Spiritual discipline. Daily. Say with me, daily. These things are meant to be done daily. Because, you know, one thing I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, whatever I do, I see my Father doing. Jesus says, I do not do anything of my own. Whatever I do, I see my Father doing. So Jesus saw what his Father was doing and he did that. Just imagine, if we could replicate what Jesus did in our lives, in our relationship, in our workplaces, in our careers, and just did exactly what the Father did. Oh man, tell me how you, how you will not be a success. Impossible. Impossible. Amen? So the spiritual discipline is not to fulfill a particular checklist. It is for us to train ourselves spiritually so that we can hear God's voice and obey. Hear God's voice and obey. Amen? Faith starts, begins by hearing. But faith ends with obedience. You cannot obey what you have not heard. Amen? So if you can begin this routine daily, you are building your spiritual, you're building your spirit being to exercise spiritually. Amen? Break out of the cocoon. Amen? Amen? Are you guys excited? Come on. Respond to the word. If you could just stand up on your feet and just in your own words, whatever the Lord has resonated within you, just respond to his word. You know, right now, humility is more important than understanding. So even if your mind has not comprehended whatever has been taught here, can you just believe, can you be humble enough to believe that your spirit being has caught it and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you in right time. So just take a moment just to acknowledge God in this place. And, and if you have a revelation, if there was a revelation moment, if, the, if there was an aha, enlightenment moment, while you were hearing the word, make a commitment to that revelation. Become committed. Because you're not trying to do it by your own willpower, by your own strength. It is not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. The faith for you to do the thing is in the word itself. So if you stay in the word, you will do the word. So take a moment. Take a moment in your own words to thank God for this word. Take a moment in your own words to speak to Jesus right now, right now. Right now, I believe that He wants to speak to you personally. He's a personal God. He loves corporate gathering, but He also loves to speak to you personally. He loves to speak to His sons and daughters. He loves to speak to His children. He loves to hear your voice. So open your mouth and come on, start speaking to Him. Start speaking to Him. Start speaking to Him. Come on. Come on, come on. He's your father. Start speaking to him. Start speaking to him. Come on, try this. Yeah, by faith. By faith. You have free access in the spirit. So by faith. By faith. Open your mouth and start speaking to him. By faith. By faith. Come on. And you can hear his voice right now. Right now, the Bible says, my sheep hears my voice. Jesus said that. My sheep hears my voice. So by faith, by faith, by faith, you're all that we need, O oh Lord. You're all that we yearn for. Come and change our hearts, O oh Lord. Come, O oh Lord. Lord, we give you complete permission. Complete permission. Complete permission to transform us inside out. Thank you, Jesus, for being the Lord of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of our lives. 
Oh Lord, who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we that you are so concerned about us? Who are we that you care for us? But your word says that you have chosen us and you have loved us. You have drawn us with your everlasting loving kindness. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. What a privilege today. What a privilege today to say that we belong to you. We are your children. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Peace. Peace. Thank you, Jesus. worship you Lord let our lives be all about you Jesus let our lives be all about you our desires our dreams our ambitions be all about you Jesus let it be all about let it be all about the kingdom let it be all about the purposes of the kingdom Father, we take this moment to surrender ourselves and to surrender the dreams and the desires that we have. And we say, oh Lord, nothing is more than the one who has given this promise. Nothing is more than the one who has given these dreams. Nothing is more than the one who has given us these desires. Lord, we surrender, we lay them at your feet and we say, Jesus, take it all. Jesus, Jesus, I prioritize you. You are my delight. You are my desire. You are my only one that I seek, that I long for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see fresh hunger in this place. Fresh hunger, fresh hunger, fresh hunger. Fresh hunger for God's word. Fresh hunger for prayer. Fresh hunger, deep desire to be one with the Lord. Deep desire. Come on. It's birthing up right now. Right now. Come on. Speak it. Speak it out. If that's who you are, speak it out. Speak it out. Say, yes, Lord. That's who I am. Speak it out. Speak it out. Receive it. Fresh hunger. Fresh hunger for His Word. Fresh hunger for the things of the kingdom. Fresh hunger for His purposes. Fresh hunger. Fresh hunger. A deep desire to pray. Yes. Father, we pray that you will honor. You will honor their desire, Lord. You will honor their desire. You will honor their desire. And I pray, O Lord, not by, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, O Lord. Let your Spirit take complete control for them to be trained in righteousness so that they will see the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We thank you, Lord. We thank you.